Kia ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Since July, um, I've been teaching this, uh, this workshop probably uh, yeah, since... Man, that's probably about four or five months ago now. And it's called Witness 101. And we've been running it every month, once a month. So then, you know, you get, I think it was like the first Sunday of every month, would would teach something from there, would learn something from each other, and then would apply it. So then you have a month to go and do something about it, um, you know, before we come back and, and go again the next month. And I tell you, there's been some amazing things uh, that God has really been doing in the lives of, of many of us um, during the journey of this, this topic called Witness 101. And, you know, like I said, we've ran it just for three, we've already had three workshops, I think, and today I get to actually bring it into today's service as almost like a fourth workshop, but it's more about just sharing about how we've progressed over these four months of Man, for me, I've been so blessed just seeing people, seeing you or the congregation that's been involved, just step out and, and try, you know, those things that I've shared um, in those workshops. And there was always, I think our workshops, we had about between sometimes 10 people, other times 15. So, you know, between 10 and 20 um, on, 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 you know, those workshops. And I want to say that this is a bold step for me to share this idea today, because I'm not sure that all people will agree, and that's fine. Um, I'm not trying to brainwash any of you, but all I can say is throughout the three months, and even before the actual time of this workshop, um, I've actually seen fruit uh, in people, and you know, the things that we're going to be hearing about today. So this might be something you already do as a Christian, if you're a Christian in this place, and that's great. If you do this, then I pray that you are encouraged that some of us are finally catching up with you and uh, what God has done in your life, and, and I commend you for that. I'm grateful. Others may have heard what I'm up, you know, you may have, you may hear today for the very first time, and you may think, man, actually, Ulu, are, we, are we actually allowed to do that? Um, and I'm going to say, yes, you can. Um, and you'll find out why, and I, I confidently stand up here and say that. You know, but let me tell you, also, when this whole thing about witnessing, the Witness 101 kind of thing, um, there's so many ways of doing it. I'm just sharing one way, okay? So I don't want you to leave this place and thinking, okay, I've got to throw every other idea that I've learned, you know, growing up as a Christian or in the church of how to witness, um, and I'm going to do it this way because this is the only way. No, no, it's just one way, and it's one way that I've seen work in the last three, four months um, as we've been going through church. And, and this thing I'm talking about is what we Christians call Witness 101, but we call evangelism. Now, evangelism, the question here is, this is what I want to ask, you know, what are the first things that come to mind uh, when you think about that word evangelism, right? You're thinking about it. And I remember, you know, when I was um, 15 years old, it wasn't too long ago, I still had hair. Hey, what are you laughing for, man? You know, uh, I was 15 years old, and I had just, 
at this age, I had experienced um, receiving Jesus, right? Um, I, I realized I gave my life to Christ and that Christian, Christian kind of jargon. And then I gave myself, you know, to the Lord, our Savior. And, and the thing is, um, pull up this photo if you can, just behind me. Now, the thing is, here I am. Now, I don't want you to look at my sister that's sitting there <laughs> laughing. But uh, that's actually me when I was about 13 years old. A 13-year-old hanging out on Queen Street. And if you look behind us, there's McDonald's there on Queen Street. Across the road, uh, there, was a, there used to be a uh, Mid-City, if you guys remember some of you. Mid-City, yeah. Uh, you know. And so this is Queen Street. Uh, many, many years ago. Um, and I had just given, sort of given my life to Christ. And the thing was, me and my cousin, I have, me and my cousin, we were both the same age, gave our lives to Christ. And I remember, man, I said, man, bro, let's go down to Queen Street. These 13-year-olds catching a bus to Queen Street, right? And said, so let's get to Queen Street and, and let's do some open-air preaching. And we had never done that before, right? But we were just so on fire for God. And this is, this is me and, and, and my cousin, and we'd go down around that age, and we had no clue what we were doing, but we just felt that it was what you had to do as a Christian, you know, and no, nowadays, you know, this word evangelism, it's actually, it doesn't have a good reputation in our culture today. Now, a lot of people identify evangelism with either, you know, the TV preacher. If you touch, just touch the screen, your life will be transformed, and just my account there, no, no, we won't go there. You know, this TV preacher or, or you're familiar with evangelizing when people come knocking on your door and you're telling the kids, shh, don't answer the door. <laughs> you know, but dad, dad, there's someone there knocking with a tie. And, you know, evangelism, there, there's too many people even today, they think of evangelism as being a salesman. Now, salesmen, it's trying to sell something to someone so that you can finalize or close a deal or make a sale. That's what they think evangelism is. Some of them, people think that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to manipulate people into following Jesus. And even that, all these like examples, the thought of that just makes people feel uncomfortable. And if I can be honest with you, today, not many people respond to evangelism like this anymore, this whole idea of being a salesman approach. And, and not only that, it's also sad to say that people in our church culture today are not even excited in evangelizing to anyone or anymore as well. This word evangelism, it, it actually means good news. And when I look at scripture here, Isaiah 52 verse 7, this is what it reads, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. Man, that's a pretty good thing to, to go out and share. There's a famous well-known verse that we all know from Matthew 28. All authority, this is Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that's Jesus. Therefore, go, there it is there, go, make disciples or nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then he says, teach them, teach everyone that you go out to reach to obey everything that I've taught you, that I've commanded you to do. I'm going to be with you throughout the whole time as well. Isn't that great? Today, there's a culture shift that has happened in evangelism today. Even when I was that 15-year-old that you saw, 
sitting outside McDee's on Queen Street, and part of being a Christian was to share this good news. That's why me and my cousin went down to Queen Street. We just did it to, you know, do this open-air preaching at such a young age. But do you know why we did that? We were these two young guys that just felt the pressure to share the good news. You know, to be Christian meant you weren't, you know, you, you can't be shamed. You got to, you know, hold your ground. You got to step up and you got to yell at on the corners of the, of the streets that people need to change and they need to be, you know, they need to repent. You know, don't be, you know, be unashamed of the gospel. Let me tell you, just like that photo that you saw that I had up there and the style of sharing the good news at that age when I was that young, me and my cousin, when we did it back then and it is still done today, I have to admit, that's an old school style. Is it wrong to do it this way? Um, you know, every Christian has their own point of view. Uh, some will disagree and say, yes, it is wrong. Others will say, no, there's no problem. I actually got saved in that way. I gave my life to Christ in that way. And so can I say it's wrong? Well, I go, man, here I am standing before you from an event that I got you know, um, where I gave my life. However, I want to share with you today just a different way, okay? A different way of how to evangelize to your family and friends in your workplace or at school. Um, and I call this evangelism approach the tour guide approach. Now, the tour guide approach is sharing the good news. This way of evangelizing, hear me now, it's all about guiding people into a direction where they begin to find certain clues in their life that God is at work in their own life experiences. And so this tour guide approach is, is to help others on their journey. See, you become, as a Christian, you become the tour guide for those around you that have no relationship in Jesus. Not only are you guiding people, but as Christians, we all struggle. None of us are perfect. I don't stand up here and say I know all the answers, but as a tour guide that's, you know, helping people journey to Jesus, it's guiding people, but you also, I get to share, and you get to share in a way where you, your own stories of struggles, doubt, your mistakes, missed opportunities, even times when you've failed. You know, these stories are important in those times. Why? Because it shows other people that, man, there's a bigger story that reveals purpose, that reveals meaning and, and direction, and that's Jesus. You get to guide them to Jesus. You know, and as I'm saying that, I'm going to invite, I've got a few um, brothers that I want to share just to testify in our journey that we've been doing this whole year pretty much of, of these kind of ideas that I'm going to share today. And I want to invite Louis. Um, Louis, if you can come up, I want you to share. You know, myself and Louis, we've both been on this journey of being tour guides. We may not look like tour guides. I think we look more like criminals. But, you know, uh, tour guides for our friends that, that God has put us with. So I'd like to ask Louis just to share how it's been for him in this whole tour guide approach. Uh, thanks, Hulu. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, for those who don't know me, my name is Louis, and I am one of the head knuckleheads here. So uh, it's a privilege to be up here speaking on behalf of our journey as tour guide or guide tour guides. Yeah. Tour guides. Um, let's see. 
so within this journey that me and uh, me Ulu and a few others have been going through, uh, we all had different perspectives of how we wanted uh, to go about, I guess, within this journey. Um, and one of the biggest things that we all have in common is, or not in common, the differences that we all have is that we have different way of engaging. Um, engaging, my way, sense of engaging was a little bit different um, than others because most people know me, I'm a talkative guy. I, I can talk for days, I can talk for hours, I can just keep talking and keep talking. And sometimes I talk so much that I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's cool, it's real cool. Um, but engaging was one of the biggest things I had. I never had a shame of, you know what I mean? Whether if it was the first time, second time, a millionth time, um, I would still make that person feel comfortable because that was just who I was. And I think that was one of my strengths that I do have um, was my engaging with, with anyone. So, um, but engaging with anybody was the hard part because I would just engage with them despite of whether or not if they were in the same path or same direction as me or not, I just was engaging. Um, but in terms of that, it was now following up into terms of praying for specific people or um, pretty much creating like a list of people that I could pray for. Um, and slowly, yeah, so I created this list that um, uh, created a certain people that I wanted to pray for. And what I've noticed was that... Uh, a lot of these people actually never came. <laughs> a lot of these people never showed up. Or the people I was praying for weren't, uh, what's the word I could say? Uh, yeah, just wasn't showing up. So I thought maybe I'm praying for the wrong people. Um, but then again, you know, I just stuck with it and kept praying about it, kept praying about it. And this one time, um, and I think um, some of you guys probably already know that um, I was praying for this these three specific people. Um, and it was, was kind of shocking because I, I kept praying for them, kept praying for them, and I said, God, come on, man, if you want me to speak to these people, let one of them just hit me up right now. So I'm at work, just hardcore praying for them. Um, well, not just didn't work, like in my head kind of thing, you know. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm, you know, just kind of going about it. And um, I was hard to pray for them. I said, God, if, these, if one of these three are the ones that I was supposed to be speaking to, speaking life into, then let them, let them come to me, you know, guide them to me, sweet. Um, and I was going about, and probably about 15, 20 seconds later, um, a random guy just kind of messaged me. He's like, hey, bro, how are you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, brushed it off. About like two hours later, uh, did the same thing. I said, oh, God, come on. I'm praying for these three guys. One of them hit me up right now, right now, right now, let's go. You know, and again, I'm, you know, just kind of praying out, praying for them. And the same guy that pray, or randomly texted me, texted me again, hey, bro, how's your day? Just asked me two hours ago, how's your day? And I said the same thing. I said, I'm, I'm still at work two hours ago from the last time. Still at work. So kind of went about and towards the ending of work, two hours later, uh, at the ending of work, I was on my way home and I said, you know, God, I'm, I'm kind of sick of it, eh? Like, I really, I just, I've been praying for these three for a while, actually. Um, I just want some sort of answer. And if you're not going to give me anything, then, I don't know, maybe it's not what it is. It's not meant to be, whatever. Um, and then the same person that texts me three times, two hours in the gaps of two hours, messaged me. He said, hey, bro, you finished work? And I said, yeah, yeah, I just finished work. I said, man, um, I just want to see how, how, what you've been up to, man. I need some help. I was like, oh, wow. 
are you serious? I'm like, God, I've been brushing you off, praying for these three people. But this one guy who needed the most help was the one that needed me the most, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, come, come. Hey, I'm doing fine now, Bella. I'm doing fine now. How are you doing, you know? It was real good. Um, so we continued to go up. And what I realized is that we actually, um, we had one thing in common that we love. Um, if some of you guys probably know, um, besides boxing, um, I love to play basketball. Um, and basketball was, basketball was a big thing for me at this stage. And that's how I started up my group now. So my group now is called um, Brotherhood, uh, Brotherhood Ministry. And there is a group of 11 of us, I think. Um, so it all started from one seed. And um, I just really want to uh, acknowledge a friend of mine. His name is Terry. Terry, can you stand, please? Hey, boxers don't cry, all right? So Terry, my friend Terry here, um, such a good guy, man. I tell you so much. He's been blessed me and his beautiful wife and his three kids that are here. Um, and Terry supports me 100% within this group that we're going. Um, the other 10 people are not here, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, they still pray for us right now. And we pray for them as well. So, but, um. I do encourage you guys, you know, a lot. I mean, with this tour guide, it really helps, man. It helps in terms of where you want to get to. But, yeah, I love all you guys, and thank you. Thanks, dude. Oh, thanks. Man, you know, I, I love, thanks for sharing, bro. I, I like what Louis has been doing. Uh, it's by reaching pretty much his friends through just what he loves doing, either it's, it's, it's basketball, he's got a lot of, you know, oh man, and a whole group of guys. I remember, this is the pastor coming to him, okay, so you, you pray for one person, and then when that one person, then you start working with that one person, okay? And so we, let's just build, it probably take about three, four months, this is the next day. Bro, I've got like seven guys, what do I do? I say, man, I don't know, what do you, just pray, <laughs> You know, and so I'm real blessed, man. Thank you for coming out today as well. You know, just real blessed, just seeing what, how that's happening. And I think I, when I think of Jesus and how he had, he had even that, he had a, he had a, to balance um, his life where, you know, he was hanging out with people, uh, different people, people that probably were considered righteous at that time, and those that were known as the sinners in his time as well. You know, there's this verse in Mark, um, you know, and it says here, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners uh, were eating with Jesus and his disciples. There were many of them who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, they, they came along and they saw Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors. The tax collectors were separate, but they were just as bad sinners, apparently. You know, and they asked the disciples, man, why does Jesus eat with all these sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have not come to call out the righteous, but I have come to call out the sinners. Like Jesus, it's these environments where we get to be around, you know, our Christian jargon, not non-Christians, so, so we can share our lives and show our love for Jesus. Now, I'm not encouraging anyone like go out and get drunk with people and, and that's the way to fellowship. You know, the honest truth, because that's just, I mean, it's a random example, but that's, <laughs> that's not a healthy way of sharing the good news. 
with them. Let me tell you now, it's not going to work. It doesn't. Let me ask you these questions to help with what I'm trying to say here. What are, these are questions. What are some things that you love in your free time to do? You know, who are some friends that are interested in, in those hobbies or activities that, that you love? Um, especially people that don't know Jesus. You know, if no one comes to mind, how can you meet non-Christians who are, who are interested in these activities? You know, we hear Louis' story, example of praying for these three, and then another, another guy turns up. You know, what would need to change in your schedule in order to have time to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus? You know, if, if God has given you a talent in an area that you could use to reach out to people, wouldn't it make sense that that is a good way to reach your friends and family? I mean, I want to, you know, we want each and every one of us to, to pray, not to just start something new. We just need to think about what we enjoy doing and use that as a, as a way to, to hang out with non-Christians. And the next person I'd like to invite up is, is Donald. These, uh, my, my brother, these, you know, throughout the journey of engaging people with the good news by being this tour guide, one thing that I've been encouraged by these in these last months is, is how he has used what he loves to do as his doorway, you know, just to one day maybe share the gospel of the people God has connected him with. And so let's, let's give a hand at these as he comes up and shares. Um, morning, everybody. Just nervous, yes. Um, because when Ulu, Pastor Ulu texted me uh, if I could come up and share, I said, yeah, no worries. And as soon as... Um, Send. I forgot that I was supposed to be at the Pukakoi V8s today with Chris. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Pastor just sent me these, um, he said, just come and testify about uh, what I've been doing. And he said he's going to send three questions and just just answer them. And when he, when he said the questions, I said, man, there's more than three, there's like 11. <laughs> so I'm just going to break down the questions one by one. Um, Part of my journey, I'll just start off with just a quick testimony. Uh, part of my journey as a youngster, I was kind of um, I raised in a really, I could say, violent family. Um, and I just needed an outlet. Uh, for me, an outlet was just um, going up to the school late at night with my friends and just playing, just shooting hoops. And that was the, the norm for me um, growing up in my teenage years um, to the point where... Um, one of my friends got saved, and then he came to school, and he goes, oh, after our game, do you want to come to this outreach? And he was in town, and I said, oh, I don't know. And then he started preaching about how, and I said, oh, yeah, now I'll be there. <laughs> so I went along with him. So I could say, yeah, God, how could I put it, used basketball for me to receive the gospel. Uh, recently, I've been coaching basketball for the last, since 2015, taking it, uh, just starting off as an assistant coach. I've been coaching at different schools, a few schools, um, Auckland Boys, Dilworth, um, Manuel High School, and a lot of rep teams around, around Auckland. And one of the things I learned is um, I was uh, mentored under, I don't know if some of you guys know Manu, that used to come here, Filipino guy, that, but he really looks like a Samoan. Uh, with the Filipino people, there's not many six-foot-two Filipinos around, so he was, he'll stand out. And one of the things that he asked me to do in the team was, 
can you minister to the boys when I subbed them off? Because he's one of those coaches that growls, growls you off. So I used to minister to them all the time. And I learned a lot of Manu. But part of the, one of the things that we started was before and after trainings and before and after the games, we would get in the huddle and start praying. Um, then we, so I would start it off. And then one of the boys would say, oh, Coach Ting doesn't pray. He's an atheist. I said, okay, then. And in my mind, I was always praying for Ting. Um, halfway through the season, part of my job was to speak life into the boys when they come off the bench. And he had a terrible game. And I said to him, man, you need to keep your head up because everybody else looks, at, looks to you to lead this team. And keep your head up because it affects everybody else. It's like a disease when you're down. So he kept his head up. He went back out and he got, I think it was 13 from 23 pointers. And he came back and he came back and he said, oh, thank you, coach, for speaking life to me. I'll never forget to this day. And then the season goes by. And then when we, when we have huddles, man, the first guy to start praying is 10. You know, um, it's a real testimony what our God has used. I've said this before. The little that you have, and it's, it's a big thing to some of these kids. So I just need to get an update on the V8s. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the questions that the uh, pastor gave me was, did you pray for a list of names? I've always, uh, funny thing, when we call, have trials at, at um, every year, call, uh, call trials for the teams that I coach for, I always bring my wife and my kids. They're part of the, they help uh, um, pick the kids. We're always praying, you know, can I only pick 12, 10 to 12 kids? And it's amazing about the kids that, 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 that come through. Um, uh, kids at different areas, like for example, Auckland boys, um, a different group of bunch of kids than the kids from out south. Um, but the kids out, out south, I kind of draw draw to them because uh, similar background. Um, some of them even worse. I've just met some kids that are um, both parents are in jail, and these kids that don't even know their dad, and these kids that have a dad but don't really know know their father, and there's all like all sorts of problems. Um, one of the other questions was, how did you connect with these people? Um, so 2001, I think they had the thing um, through this church, was VLI, uh, I don't know what they call it these days, uh, it was like a Bible college kind of thing, and one of the things that I remember was, um, you have to try, uh, make a wedge or put a wedge in to get the gospel in. So for example, one of the examples they used is, oh, if you go to the zoo and there's somebody standing next to you, and, they didn't, and you just say, man, must have taken Adam a long time to name all these animals. And, you know, oh, yeah, so that was like a wedge. For me, my wedge was um, I had to find a common ground. With basketball, it comes with wearing kicks, shoes. That was, that was my wedge. Um, I used to buy a lot of shoes and just leave them lying around at home. And then kids were like, oh, coach, I like your Jordan 3s and stuff like that. So you make a common ground and then they say, oh, coach, how do you know about the shoe culture? And I said, most of the kicks that these kids wear are like almost 20 years old. The other common ground that I found with these kids is, um, yeah, I'm old, but I still play a game 
PlayStation games. So you, you, you find a connection with what they're talking about in games. You know, and then they understand, goes, oh man, coach, he knows about um, games. Um, last year, we entered a tournament and we, I didn't know how it was gonna pan out. Uh, it was a two-day tournament. And in that two days, we played uh, seven games. And we had to find a way to hype the team. But one of the boys in the team yelled out, um, started yelling out, 300. But I'm playing to the movie 300. And then I pulled one of the, my manager over, he's a Christian as well, and I said to him, hey, can you preach to these guys about um, Gideon, how he chose his 300 men? So we stopped, and then we asked them about 300, and they were all explaining the movie. And then it was a chance for us to put our wedge in and preach the gospel them in the locker room. In that tournament, we won, um, usually you field, yeah, like I said, 10 to 12 players uh, throughout the 2017 season. We had so many problems with these kids that we could only muster about seven kids. In that tournament, we came second. We won seven out of eight games. And it was because we we use the gospel to change the mentality. Now the, the saying with these guys, that even when they've left, is, man, man, you real. We gotta, we gotta enter to the court with that 300 mentality. Um, just to testify about some of these players in the last four years that I've been coaching, I see it as a more of a ministry to me. About five of them have given their lives to Christ um, yeah, through basketball. Um, man, that, I'm blessed that that's happened. Um, one of them, a lot of them that I don't see anymore. Um, one of them got a full scholarship to the States in South, South Carolina, got a $100,000 scholarship. But the thing is, there were 20 schools that were ringing up and there was a no. And um, like the relationship I built with this kid, coach, I didn't get in. I don't think I'm gonna get in. The reply or the call back, man. Just keep on relying, trusting God. God's gonna come through, trust me. And then um, he had to go to Hawaii, he had to try out at Hawaii University. I honestly thought that was the school. And then when he, had, uh, when he went, in, went over, had a tryout, come back, oh, coach, um, I, something wrong with my grades. I said, don't worry about it, man. Keep, keep trusting. And then when I got the text, oh, coach, thank you, coach, for praying. Not only I prayed, I sent texts out to the guys that I, I trust just to pray for this kid that, that his, his goal was to, to, to fulfill his dream. Finding enough, this kid here, his, great, his grandfather is a well-known missionary for you, for Christ and Samuel. So, you know, I, it was always, regardless whether he was the, he wasn't the most talented player, he was the hardest working player. Um, those of you who follow me on Instagram and Facebook, there's a photo of a young man, a Filipino kid, his name is Romeo. He's about this tall, that tall, probably up to my hip. And, and there was another chance to, to, the get, to get the gospel into him. Um, he was only fourth form, and usually when you play senior A's, you're year 12, year 13, or six and seven form. 
And my family picked this kid, and I said, no, nah, he's outwater parents, eh? No, nah, he's too short. He's too fragile. Man, this kid's, this kid, I told him, we won't get much court time. Man, we had heaps of injuries last year, and it was time for him to step up. Usually during the warm-ups, I always pull one kid aside and try to speak life into him. I spoke life into Romeo. I said to Romeo, man, have you heard of the story of um, David and Goliath? He goes, oh, yeah, but David was a great man of God. I said, bro, all those dudes in the Bible, they all made mistakes. You know, none of them is perfect. But it's just, you just got to believe that, that um, God's going to do something great for you. This, um, I don't know if you know, the, um, in basketball in Auckland, the, the big tournament is regionals where all the top schools in the uh, top half of North Island turn up, and this kid turned up to play. Man, he was getting thrown around. It's like Rocky. You can knock him out, get back up, and the guy, guy will continue to play. Uh, and he's, got, he's hit like three or four game-winning shots to win the game. But when you look at him, he... He's, he looks weak, he looks, he's small, but for him it was, um, it was a blessing when he came up to me and he just said, oh, Coach, thank you for believing in me. And, um, yeah. But now, like, like Pastor said, everybody's got a different way of evangelizing, preaching the gospel. Um, this, is, this, is the, this is the lane where I'm at. Thank you. You know, one thing that uh, even I think Donald is... He's become, uh, become the coach of under-19s, ADs, for Samoa. And, you know, and uh, he was awarded just this year for Rewa High School as for the coach of the year. Uh, West Aucklander working out Southside. And so, man, it's great just seeing what God is doing, you know. Each and every one of us, you know, you don't have to look too far to find non non-believers that we can build with. You know, and, and please remember... God is more interested in the process, as these were sharing, than the product. It's about relationships. You know, when the relationship in Jesus is real, then the transformation that God does in people's lives, man, it will have a purpose. You know, when we're not, we're not trying to, like I said in the beginning, we're not trying to be sales reps in our evangelism. We're not trying to close the deal or tick a box that, man, I led someone to Christ. It's not the aim. Um, there's no pressure to go down Queen Street and start yelling at the corner of McDonald's and say, repent, you sinner, you're going to hell. Um, I'm going to let it shine, <laughs> this little light of, you know. Even in, in the, the book of Matthew, um, you know, uh, Matthew chapter 9, it says this. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field, right? Now, every time when I read this verse, I, I get caught up that we don't have enough workers. We don't have enough people out there doing God's work. But then I just realized the point is I shouldn't be worrying about the lack of workers. The aim is Jesus is directing us to pray for God to send out workers. And whether you have a big group of people uh, like, like Louis and the, the, the guys that these looks after, or if it's just only one person that you are helping and you're guiding them to Jesus, man, you're, you're an answer to prayer when we ask God to send out workers. So when, to me personally right now, I'm saying this. We're not trying to reach the masses in all one go. 
we're trying to reach the masses one at a time. And so the third testimony here, I just want to quickly invite uh, Drew up. Now, ever since we started on this journey with myself and, and, and Andrew of praying even for our list of guys and stuff and wanted to reach out to, we found that they were just right under our noses, as I said. And, and I didn't end up with a big group of guys. I, I still don't have a big group of guys that I, you know, that I influence like the two testimonies we shared. But I'd just like to, you know, hear Drew's story about what God has been doing with him as well. Thanks. Uh, morning, church. Um, yeah, so I'll just start. So to be honest with you all, I didn't pray for a list of names to evangelize to. Um, but when God put me in a place where I saw the need for him, uh, the, the names came along. So before Witness uh, 101, at the beginning of this year, I had the awesome opportunity to work with some men um, that looked after parks and cemeteries. So I went into this job intentionally wanting to share the gospel with anybody and everybody. And the only way I knew how was to build uh, relationally first and then share. But the problem was I wasn't too, God, uh, too good with sharing about Jesus. And I knew that every time I do share, it came off as uh, Bible bashing. Only because I was rushing the relationship building process. So I would, um, at break time at work, I would share and when we were heading back to, to base, I would share with anybody I was working with on the day. So everybody knew me as this person, um, like, of trying to be too holy, holy, and, like, often mocked me. Um, but I didn't, that was only because I didn't participate in, in the things they were up to. So I made sure that I kept my, my integrity and my honesty throughout uh, my time there, and it all paid off in the end. So during that time, um, I met one of my brothers, uh, Danao. Uh, we both started working at the same time. Um, he's a younger dude, and he moved up from, from Christchurch. So on our induction day, so like that's our very first day, um, I was like hard out eager to share. And so I invited him to church, but he sort of just blew it off. Um, he knew what I was all about, and I sort of knew what he was about. So it took me about three to four months to build with this dude uh, properly and through it all. Um, it wasn't because I was sharing with him bits and pieces of why I walked this journey, but it was because he could see that um, in me I was, I was honest, reliable, and straight up. And during this time, God showed me that I didn't need to be a, a preacher. He showed me that the way I walked, talked, and handled myself showed the people around me enough that Jesus lives inside of me. So it was hard to preach um, or share, but being a living example, like being an ambassador at this place, worked well for me, and I was able to build a lot of relationships, but out of them, all um, Danao seemed to be hooked on what I was on. So I left that job, and since one, Witness 101 started, we have been doing a uh, men's group with Ulu and um, with Louis um, at 8 a.m. every Sunday. So since this group started, he has been coming consistently. Um, he doesn't know about God. He never came from any religious background. He is straight up raw. And he could be doing things better on a Sunday morning, but he manages to get up and make time to come. Uh, the cool thing is that he knows exactly what we're all about and he takes interest in it. For me, just getting to this stage is such a blessing because out of 20 men that I engaged at that job, um, in the beginning, one heard and that one in time will be saved, which is more than anything I could ask for. So I'm pretty humbled every time this guy comes. He brings a different perspective to topics that we speak about and at times challenges not only me, but the other brothers as well. 
And although he doesn't know or have a relationship with God, God uses him to speak to us to show us things that we need to work on or scrap in the way we share about Jesus and the Bible. Um, he has been to our church, um, and for him it was a bit of like an information overload. So he's sort of just happy just doing the Sundays and coming in the morning. Um, but I believe that where he's at right now is perfect for him. And that this whole thing that we're doing with him just can't, can't be rushed. Um, especially with what God's doing in his life and in his heart. And the only thing I can do is um, be prepared when that time comes for him to fully commit. So until then, I'm going to walk with him till that day comes. And one thing I learned... Uh, during this whole experience is that it really isn't hard to evangelize. Um, it's actually easy once you know what way or style you can confidently use. Um, for me, it's relational evangelism. For you, it may be straight up like Leo or whatever it may be. God will show you and definitely and will definitely, definitely make things um, easier in this area. So I guess if I had to be honest um, in the way I did things next time, I probably wouldn't rush the relationship building process um, I would listen more to what God was saying or prompting me to do, and I would rely and trust more that I don't need to save anyone and that God does the saving. And in time, the people that I shared with will come to him. So I just need to trust in the process and uh, make sure that what I'm doing is for God and for the advancement of his, of his kingdom. So yeah, um, Darnell, he's a, he's, he's a real cool dude. He's a real um, down-to-earth type of guy and that's it's buzzy because out of those 20 dudes i was just man hard out trying to to get somebody to come to church or somebody to to meet up with and i was trying a lot um but i wasn't allowing god to to really um i guess do his work like i was sort of just blocking him and then i didn't see that now like out of all the dudes i, I was like oh man i was telling oh well, man, there's this guy you know, he started sharing with me on, on my last day of work there. Oh, he must be the guy that, that that's going to come. But instead, um, God opened the door for another dude to come, So which is done now. Um, so it's been awesome so far on this journey of evangelism. It took me about three years to actually click um, from when I first started coming here to, to be confidently using something that I'm comfortable with. Um, and so for me, relational uh, relationships uh, and building that is uh, what I'm good at. So, yeah, cool. You know, um, thanks for that, Drew. Um, yeah, so our group that we, we've we been part of probably about the last th three months or so, um, Darnell is the brother that we do it for. Um, and that's why we make it an effort every Sunday to do. So it is going to... You know, it cost a little bit of things, but we made it work because we do it before we come to church. So uh, we were just praying, and, and he loves what's happening, uh, that he'll come out. You know, but I just want to say as we, you know, come to, to an end here, all of this evangelizing or, or you know, whatever you want to call it, the good news, it's all a waste of time if you don't rely on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Um, and as a witness of Jesus, you need to. You heard some of the examples of these guys of how, yeah, then God was saying this, and I felt God, and then I stepped out and did this. You know, we need to learn to listen to God. 
uh, when collaborating with the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to pray during those conversations for wisdom while you think of how to respond to people's questions. You know, um, questions that you can ask anytime you're sitting with people. Man, Jesus, where are you? Where are these people at? Where is this person already at? At, at work in this in, in their life, where are you in their life right now? You know, how can I intervene and get involved? Um, there's this verse here, you know, and uh, this is Jesus. I ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, to help you. He's your helper, and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. We can't do this without Jesus. But I really believe that some of you, this is so natural for all of us in this room to reach people this way. Uh, you could be coaches or like Donald or you could in your workplace. It's just that the point that you get to sharing the gospel is when they say, man, you know what? I don't know what to do. I'm stuck right now. My life is a mess. What do you think I should do? Will you be unashamed then? Because it's not walking down Queen Street to try and tell them that they're going to hell. It's an opportunity right there and then to ask God, give me the wisdom on how to share about you. Will they say yes? We always hope they'll say yes to Jesus, but they may not. But that's okay. We live another day and we keep walking with them. You know, just as I finish here, you do this on an individual basis as you go out and reach, but you've got to understand this thing is done in unity. It's done in community. It's done with families. And, you know, people that I, I've seen, so I've seen in our church in these last four to five years of pastoring it and the journey of it for these last five years is trying to create a culture in our church here in Southside that belonging comes before believing. And a lot of people think it's too scary to come in here because I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. And, and, and so you got to hear that. But what a safe place to come into knowing that, but my friend's going through the same thing I'm going through. And so it's good to know that I'm in common ground. I'm in good, I'm in good you know, um, community of people that are struggling but trusting God in all these different places and areas. And so, you know, just as we finish today, um, it's hard. I mean, many of you may not have a relationship in Jesus, but you've been part of this community for months or whatever, for however long. And, and some of the things that you, you hear preached along this journey that you've been sitting in this place may not make full sense to you at times. And I'd say it doesn't make sense because of, of a lack of relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, just keep coming. Just keep coming for you to seek the answer, to find this answer. Stay connected with people. The struggles that you're going to go through, you don't do this alone. There's people that are here to pray and walk alongside People that are, and some of you that, that may not be reaching people and you think, man, evangelism is so scary. Just be a tour guide. That's all you got to do. Pray for some people to connect with and be a tour guide. If you go to the gym, go to the gym. You see people every week, every day, the same people. 
man, I'm going to build, start building. God, open the door. He will. I know he will. But just be ready to step in and work it. Become a tour guide, you know. And just know if you're struggling in your walk here in church and you're struggling, don't run away from church. Run towards it. Run towards the community. Run towards brotherhood and sisterhood where you can say, man, can you just... I don't need answers, but can you just pray for me? I just need help on something, but can you just pray? Sure, I'd love to. Let me be a tour guide with you.